go on that journey together. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Today, I'm not going to be speaking, but we've got two of our very own uh, people in our church uh, that are going to be sharing the word with us. I'm very, very excited. I know God is going to be speaking through them to us. So why don't you welcome first up, Aaron. Welcome, Aaron. It's going to be great to have you. <laughs> well done. That, that, was, that was Kent's idea. I had nothing to do with this, Aaron. I was going to say, I could pinpoint about three people in the church who would do that to me. That's amazing. Well, g'day. How are you? Good. Awesome. Um, but just, you know, I just want to say thanks to the um, leadership of the church to let me speak. It's such an honor. And it's a, a real privilege um, to be able to share the Word of God. I'm just going to quickly pray to start us off. And look, I've, I have brought a snack, but it's not to eat. It is for later. If you are wondering why I've placed a muffin there, it is not just because I need a little halftime snack. It is actually practical. So, hey, let's quickly pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for, um, for our church. Thank you for where you've positioned us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks to us, Lord God. But most of all, I thank you for Jesus that came made a way for us, Lord. Thank you for your perfect plan, your plan of salvation, your plan of redemption for your people, Jesus. And I just pray as we lead into Easter that you'll help us as a church uh, to, to hear and understand and to have revelation of who you are and what you've done. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So I'm going to be um, sharing half, half and half with Al today. Um, I'm going to be speaking about the ministry of Jesus. You know, when we look at history, the picture of our history is split right down the middle. Like you get a page and you tear it. And this mark in our history is the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The prophets wrote about Jesus. Um, Kim spoke last week. He was uh, spoken about for thousands of years. The outside of the Bible, we have Roman historians that have written recounts about his death and about his resurrection, about the darkness that encompassed the earth um, after his death as well. When the curtains tore down the middle um, and the Holy of Holies was revealed, we have historical accounts of this moment in history. I was going to go into that a little bit today, but I think it's going to be a, a time um, better looked at deeply um, in a different perspective, but I encourage you, if, if you're interested in finding out about this, I recently at work, um, I get to run a Christian life study um, lesson, I'm a, I'm a teacher, and I um, went through the history outside of the Bible, and I really encourage you, if you're interested in that, there's some incredible, incredible things out there, um, outside of the Bible, that evidence what the, the uh, disciples wrote in the New Testament, so I really encourage you to, to read that if you can. So we're going to talk about the ministry of Jesus. So... Um, where better to start than to look at a scripture? John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus seemingly came out of nowhere. He, um, he was talked about, and his life, he came, and it changed everything. History was torn into two parts. However, Jesus stands alone as the only expected person in human history, and it changes the world as we know it. So we're going to look quickly at a couple of scriptures, if you can put them up. Over the course of the Old Testament, different prophets and different people in the Bible directly recounted the life of Jesus before it even happened. This is called prophecy. Isaiah 7.14 speaks about how the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and birth a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, this verse discover, um, describes the birth of a child who will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. 
Micah 5.2, but you, brethren, I'm not going to try and say that next word, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Psalms 22 depicts to us, as Kim spoke last week, the death of Jesus. It talks about the detail of the suffering and the righteous person that would come. This man was Jesus. King David wrote about him. Zechariah 9.9, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, the righteous and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. These things happen. These things are recounted to us. Read the Gospels, it's incredible. And you, you look at the Bible and you go, wow, these authors, different time periods, different people, different uh, status in history, they're all writing about this guy, Jesus, before he even came. There was over 300 direct prophecies. You start looking into that, there, there's listings that um, you can find, prophetic statements in the Bible, over 300 direct prophecies about this man, Jesus. On the day of his betrayal, 29 were immediately fulfilled on that single 24-hour period. If we go to the next slide and we look at this man, Jesus, in the Bible, the Bible, across all of its authors, across all of the books, reference each other both forwards and backwards. If you look at the blue line here on the left-hand side, this represents the Old Testament. Now, when that joins to the red side, it's referencing things that are happening in the New Testament, and it, the New Testament does the same backwards. But when we talk about prophecy, prophecy is speaking into what is coming, speaking to what is going to happen. Divine anointing is happening in the books of the Bible to reference things that are coming of God's perfect plan. And when we see this cross between the red and the blue, that is the life in the moment of Jesus. And it's absolutely incredible to think that this man sent from God, he was seemingly out of nowhere. It wasn't expected at that moment, but at the same time, it was so expected. It changed everything. It changed the course of history. And it was God's perfect plan for us for salvation. So, I want to paint a little bit of a picture before we talk about the um, ministry of Jesus. Um, Jesus' arrival took place um, in a time, uh, a period of time, where the Jewish people were living under political tension. They had the Jewish system of law, they had the Jewish, um, the Jewish ways of doing things, but they're actually living under the rule of the Roman Empire. Um, this man at the time, uh, Pontius Pilate, I believe his name was, to check my notes there, but he, he, um, he, he was the rule of the land, but the Israelites were living there. And many Jewish people during the time of Jesus, they were looking, they were searching for this saviour. And they had this, this particular viewpoint or these ideas that this person was going to come and, and it, they were that he was going to be sent by God to save the Jewish people, to pull them out, create them to be a mighty people, overthrow the Roman Empire, yee-haw, spears, swords, all these sorts of things, redemption for the people, and that's how it was going to be. But as we know, when we look back, that's not, that's not what happened. You know, Jesus was born, and um, the Jewish people believed that the Messiah would be a powerful, charismatic leader who would restore Jewish independence and utter in a new era of peace and prosperity. But as we know, Jesus' ministry was contentious amongst both the Jewish people and the Romans. He made many great claims. He, he claimed to be the Messiah, but he didn't claim to be the Messiah that they were expecting. He claimed peace, but he said, love your neighbor. Think about that. If you're living under the, your enemy, love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's crazy. 
I was going to speak a little bit more about that in the next part of the sermon, but I want to sort of draw a point to a couple of promises that God made. I, I'm really sorry, could I have this microphone up a little bit? My, I lost my voice this week, so I'm <laughs> struggling a little bit. Thank you. John 6.35, Jesus said that I am the bread of life. If you, want, if you want hunger satisfied, come to me. John 8.36, Jesus said, The Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. You want to be free? I'll set you free. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and all who are burdened, I will give you rest. Matthew 11.28. He made some amazing claims. They weren't expecting it. What was the Messiah they were after? One of the biggest claims Jesus made, he came, he lived, his, he started his ministry at about the age of 30, and he said all these things, and it was contentious, and people going, he's the Messiah, and he had these other group of people going, who is this blasphemous man? And he claimed, Matthew 10, um, verse 40, Jesus says, he said, if you receive me, you receive God. If you welcome me, you welcome God. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen God. So these claims that Jesus made, Jesus, Jesus came and Jesus claimed all of these things that are made up of the kingdom of God. He, his ministry was, was declaring um, th- statement after statement that was so, so, so different to what anyone had heard at that time of history. So revolutionary that our, our, our modern day um, diplomatic system is based on the principles that Jesus talked about. But yet, you had this group of people going, is, this isn't the Messiah that, that we, were, we were waiting for. It was, it was so, so contentious. So we're going to look quickly at the five key elements of Jesus' ministry, keeping in mind that he's the only person in history that was expected. The first element of Jesus' ministry was he came and he preached. Jesus traveled throughout Israel preaching the message of God's love and the coming kingdom of God, Matthew 4, 23, 24. He heals the sick, he's preaching, he's, he's speaking these things, these promises, the kingdom of God, and Al's going to speak a little bit more about that. The second element of his ministry is Jesus came and he did miracles. He proved his position of power through the miracles that he did. Matthew 14, 13 to 21 says, Jesus performed, um, sorry, 14, 13 to 21 talks about how Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. When um, Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it is already getting very late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We here have only five loaves of fish and two bread, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, broke the loaves. They gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Jesus proclaimed incredible things. He made incredible statements, statements of freedom, statements of restoration, statements of love. He proved this with the miracles, but he also taught. You know, we think about our Jesus, this, this Jesus in history, the Jesus that was spoken about. He, he, his teachings are so fundamental to us. We can look at Jesus, we can see his teaching about faith, 
faith, the cornerstone of the, the, the Christian religion. Faith, Matthew 7, 20. Faith is like a mustard seed. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, get up and move. He spoke about forgiveness, Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He said to love your enemies, Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your neighbor as yourself. The list goes on and on. See, we can look at the life of Jesus. We can see through the lens of the Bible and through the lens of history, this man that came who changed things forever. He changed the way we view the world. He changed our political system. He changed the life and he changed history as itself. He forgave sins. He spoke. He said, uh, Mark 2, 5 to 7, when you saw their faith and prayed for the paralyzed man, so your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone. He made some incredible, incredible statements. And ultimately in his ministry, the fifth and final point is that he sacrificed himself and made a way for salvation. Jesus sacrificed himself for the salvation of humanity, willingly dying on the cross and rising from the dead. Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, we can look at all of these things. We can look at the life of Jesus. We can look at how he lived, his teachings, the perspectives that he brought, the revelationary teaching, the new things, the contentious nature of his life and his ministry. But Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except for the Father. So I want to paint a little bit of a picture for you today. And it's a picture of this beautiful muffin that my wife made for my daughter. It is a banana muffin, and they are very yummy. Let's say it's your birthday. Happy birthday. How do we know it's your birthday? Well, it's written on your birth certificate. We know it's coming. It's your birthday. We heard about it. So there's this cake. And if I told you, what can you see in this cake? You can probably look at it and you can analyze this cake and you can say, I can see it's got some banana in it. It's, uh, it's been baked, obviously, in an oven. Um, I can see it's got flour, a bit of sugar. I can, you know, break it apart. I can see there might be a little bit of carrot in this cake. And um, looking at it, well, I can, I can see it's probably going to taste pretty good. You know, I can probably even replicate a bit of this cake just by dissecting it and seeing what's inside and what it's made of. In fact, I might even look at the recipe and I say, oh, I like that. I'll put that in my cake. I'll put that in my cake. I'll put that in my cake too. And, and we can see um, that this cake is good. But without tasting the cake, you can only speculate the ingredients that came together to make something good. It's the same with Jesus. Often we can sit back, we can speculate, we can look at his life, we can look at his teachings and we can go, hey, I like that, that's great. I can see that, the fruit of that's really good. Love your neighbor. Oh, do unto others you have them do to yourself. Hey, that's a great way we should run our political system. Amazing. It can change the world, but without tasting the cake, it's not going to change you. You're not going to know it's good. It's not going to feed you. It's the same with Jesus. Um, I'll read this note for note here because I think, I think I'd, I'll do a better job if I read it from my, <laughs> my notes here. We can examine his ministry. We can examine the elements of his life. We can look at his teachings. We can dissect them. We can see his promises, his promises for freedom, his promises for restoration. We can look at his miracles, his sacrifice, 
and how he established a church. But that without a relationship with Jesus, we will never see the fulfillment of his ministry in our life. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. He said, I am the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, for us to, for the continuous ministry of Jesus to be active, we actually have to partake in his ministry. Jesus invites us to theoretically, and I'll say figuratively, to take a bite of the cake. Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy of God's promise to the world. He was God's perfect recipe for salvation. Through Jesus, we are redeemed and made right with God. The price for sin was paid, and we are invited into a relationship with God through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All these prophecies, all these promises, God's restorative plan for salvation, the ingredients come together in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to end with a psalm, um, Psalm 34. And I just want to encourage you, um, if, you if you're someone that, that hasn't, you know, that hasn't invited God into your life or you don't have a relationship with God, take the next step. It's good. Psalm 34. I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord and let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glory the Lord, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look at him are radiant. Their faces are never clouded with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through the life, the resurrection, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's quickly pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you, for, um, thank you for your word today. Thank you for everything that you've done, Lord. Thank you for your life. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sacrificing and making a plan for us who are so undeserving of your love. We thank you for that in your mighty name. Amen. Invite Al. No, I wasn't timing, bro. I set a timing for myself just then, though. So, yeah. It was good. It was good. About 15 minutes. Um, thanks. Thank you so much for that, Aaron. Um, whew, that's a hard act to follow. If I wasn't nervous before, I really am now. Um, anyway, but if you don't know me, my name's Al. I've um, been a Christian for like 15 years now, I think. It's been a long time. I had to like calculate it myself. I was actually saved. I gave my life to the Lord in um, Pastor Melvin's church, which is Kim's dad. And they got to know Kim and everything like that. And um, obviously, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, be able to speak to you this morning, obviously serve and under and alongside Kim. Um, so I'm going to be speaking about the kingdom of God is here. Um, and just, I've, I've crossed out the uh, scripture about the pearl uh, jewels because you already spoke about that. So I won't, I won't be mentioning that. Uh, I'm joking. I don't even have it. Um, <laughs> so Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. 
Um, I think it's important to sort of unpack just the word kingdom, like what does it mean in, in an earthly sense and how our understanding goes, because Jesus, you know, chose to use the word kingdom and uh, he maybe did it very specifically because what he does is, you know, he chooses these words and he chooses to teach us um, and teaches followers through parables. And what he does, is he takes something that you understand and um, use that to help you make a connection to um, spiritual things and uh, heavenly things. And uh, that's how that's how we learn. That's how we all learn. You know, when you, when you take a kid and you want to teach them mathematics, you teach them through stories. You say, you don't sit there and go, write one plus one equals two. You say, you know, if you have a lolly and then you get another lolly, how many lollies do you have? So Jesus was very smart in the way he taught people. So we're going to look at the word kingdom. Um, so what comes to your mind when you hear the word kingdom? Um, what comes to my mind is uh, probably two, two major things. One, um, to a lesser extent, is probably like one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, which is The Lion King. Um, and just that scene where he takes Simba out and he, he, he says, yeah, everything the light touches is our kingdom. Um, and the other one is like medieval times when a king sat on his throne and he like issued decrees out to all his land. Um, and, and using that sort of analogy, you know, kingdom, uh, obviously really important part, it has a king. Uh, he rules over people. He um, enacts his, his laws, his will, his decrees. Um, there's, there's a a definite boundary to his kingdom. Um, and once you step into that boundary, uh, you are now on the king's land and you have to do what the king says. Otherwise, you know, it's going to turn out pretty bad for you, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, glad we started on a positive note there. Um, so, yeah, and, and the king might not be able to be in every place at once. Like, he sits on his throne, but he, um, you know, his, his will can be enacted through his people. He's got soldiers, everything like that. So, you know, even if you aren't, like, a supporter of the king, um, you can still uh, feel, I guess, his influence. So he can influence his kingdom in many ways, not just by being there in person. Um, and so we're moving on to the kingdom of God. Uh, firstly, I'd just like to maybe... Um, read the scripture. Obviously, we know 2,000 years later, the kingdom of God, it's, it's not an earthly kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. Uh, something that's set up, it's not, it's not from this world. It's not of this world. It's, it's a spiritual kingdom. And I just want to start off by reading this scripture. Um, it's, I don't know what it is, actually. Oh, yeah. Luke 24, 13. Um, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So this is the same day that uh, Jesus rose. Um, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Now, if you don't understand social cues, when you stand still with your face downcast, what does it mean? Yeah, you're pretty sad, pretty sad. So these guys are sad. Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's walking alongside them. They don't recognize him, and they're sad. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, on the third since, uh, so it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to his tomb early this morning. So 
um, but didn't find his body. So, like, they're sad. They're saying, we had hoped that he was coming to redeem Israel. So I think um, what I'm getting out of this is they're expecting Jesus. As Aaron said, Jesus came at the time of um, the Israelites uh, under Roman rule. And they're expecting Jesus to set up this, um, I guess, more of an earthly kingdom to release them. All right. So, you know, Jesus has Jesus came to set up a spiritual kingdom, as we know, that has no boundaries of place. But they they created brand, they created a boundary, and it was them, the Jewish people. He's just coming for us. He's our God. We've got all this history. We've got, you know, we celebrate the Passover. We celebrate everything like that. And uh, God has been there for us through our history. He, you know, redeemed. Uh, sorry took us out from Egypt. We won battles against all odds because God was on our side. And now this guy, Jesus comes along. He does all these miracles. He tells us all these parables about the kingdom of God. And then they see him humiliated, beaten, bruised, dying on a cross. And they're sad. They may, they may have caught them by surprise. They, they think that he's just coming for them, but he's coming for, for a much greater purpose, isn't it? He's coming not to set up a kingdom just for, you know, the people of Israel to, to, to come and be part of it and he can rule over them. He's coming to rule over the whole world for the rest of time. It's an eternal kingdom and it's spiritual. Let's read, just read the rest of this scripture. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Um, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe that all the, what all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And the, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them that what, sorry, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Uh, as they approached the village which they were going, to which they were going, Jesus continued as if they were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? That's, that end part has got to be one of my favorite parts of the story. They didn't even recognize Jesus, but their hearts were burning. That's, that's the kingdom of God, I believe, having an influence on you. Um, I want to move on f uh, for a sec. So what, you know, you're thinking, what does that have to do with the kingdom of God? Well, they were expecting uh, something different to what they got. They didn't, they didn't get a few things about what Jesus was actually ushering in when he, when he preached about the kingdom. So what did, um, let's have a look at some things that Jesus said about the kingdom. Um, John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. We've already said God's is a spiritual kingdom. It's never going to end. It's never going to die. It's never going to fade. Um, it has no boundaries. It's not for a certain type of person or a certain people or a certain country. It's, it's for everyone out there. And that should encourage us in, um, in, in our command of, of extending the kingdom. That should encourage us greatly. Um, I've got a few scriptures to get through, so we're going to move on. John 3, 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
unless they are born again. So, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. What does that word born again mean? I think uh, if you're watching the uh, chosen, and there's a character called Nicodemus. Nicodemus was in this um, conversation. He said to you, how can I be born again? How can I crawl back inside my mother's womb? Again, didn't, didn't understand it. Didn't get it completely. He's talking about a spiritual birth. You know, baptism is a, is a reflection of this. It's only possible to be born again through the, uh, the blood and the sacrifice and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We die with him and we're raised with him as a new creation. I had like this experience when I was, I, I talked about the day I gave my life to the Lord and I was driving home later that day and I, I looked outside and it was this road that I've driven down every single day for like the last whatever years. And um, I looked outside and everything just looked completely like different. Like I, I, I recognized it, but I didn't recognize it. And I believe that was God, that God changed me that day, that he made me a new creation that I'm, I can't explain it, but I was seeing the world in a whole completely new and different light. Um, Matthew 6.10 when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I just added the when we pray part there, I think, from my notes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the coming of God's kingdom involves um, his will. You know? God, God rules over his kingdom. He, his will will be done. Um, you know, if you think about it in like a, in, an earthly kingdom... The king issues a decree, he issues a law. If you don't follow that law, um, you want to hide away, don't you? You don't want the king's supporters to see you. You don't want the soldiers to see you. You want to hide away. And this is what, um, this is what I believe. When you are part of God's kingdom and you set your mind to doing his will, that's freedom. There's no, there's no need to hide. There's no need to be ashamed. There's no need to be condemned. You have freedom through what Jesus did for you. Um, and that's something that uh, people sometimes these days disagree with. So they think that freedom is, oh, I can just do whatever I want. I don't, have to, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. I can just go and, and come as I please. That's not freedom, okay? You li- that's, you're going to live a life out of fear. Um, and it's a scary thought to think that God, God says in his word, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. And Jesus went out on this boat and everyone was scared of this storm. And he told the storm to calm down and it calmed down. One of my students drew a picture of this in class the other day because I was teaching RE and it was like Jesus standing on a boat saying, shush. And the storm and lightning was just had a little speech where we said, okay. Um, it was, that was great. I love that. It wasn't even what I told him to do, which was hilarious as well. But if we've got a God who's so powerful over this world that the rocks could cry out to him, that should instill in us like a healthy amount of, of fear. Like it would be wise for me to actually say, okay, I need to devote... Sometime, even if it's a very little, every single day to working out what God's will is and making sure that's how, that's the path that I walk in my life. Working out what his will is through prayer, 
through uh, learning the Bible, memorizing scripture, spending time in his presence, all the things that we do as Christians. We need to work out what God's will is if we're part of his kingdom. Next one, Luke 17, 20, 21, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of, kingdom, uh, the, coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in our midst this morning. And that's one scripture that when I read it, my mind went like, does that mean the kingdom of God was in my midst when I wasn't even saved? Like, I can remember not being saved, and I can remember things that Pastor Melvin spoke to me, that my school chaplain spoke to me, and I can remember my heart was burning. All right? The kingdom of God... I believe it has an influence on everyone in this world because God rules. God's all-powerful. Um, the one, no, two more scriptures, sorry. Um, sorry, one more scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So the kingdom of God is something that can be sought. It's something that can be found. Um, and not only that, we should make it a priority in our everyday lives to seek his kingdom more and more. Um, have you ever played hide and seek? I said, my daughter loves hide and seek, like she loves it, and, but she's not very good at it, all right, because <laughs> she will go in and she'll hide and I'll be like, her favorite part is basically when I find her, all right, and she'll laugh and carry on and even when she's hiding. She doesn't get the game at all. Um, you know, and uh, the kingdom of God's not like that. The game's not over once you find a person, you know? The game's not over once you find the kingdom. You know, when you're saved and you enter into the kingdom of God, it's not over. It's, it's part of who we are, part of how we set it up as a spiritual kingdom, not with boundaries, but that we could seek him every day. And not only that, he says that all these things will be added to you. Are you worried about something today? Seek the kingdom of God. You know, are you, your finances not right? Seek the kingdom of God. Are you anxious about a new job interview or a meeting that's coming up, seek the kingdom of God. I love the, I was hoping you were gonna leave the cake up here. So I had, I was gonna mention something about it. Um, I wanted to taste and see. Now, um, <laughs> but it's good. Um, yeah, Jesus also said that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence take it by force. And um, I was just thinking about like, when I read Aaron's analogy, because he sent me his notes as, as a bit of, I was just thinking about food cravings, you know? When you crave something, you crave a piece of food, like you'll like go in the fridge, you'll look all around for it, look for that little piece of chocolate. Because, uh, you know, there's sweet things in the fridge, right? There's other things, you know, there's chocolate, but it's like dark chocolate. And it's like, what, what, what even is that? Um, <laughs> but only that one little piece of chocolate 
can satisfy. And the Bible says that, taste and see that the Lord is good, but only God is good. And only God can satisfy you. Um, so, I don't know if you know this, but as Christians, we carry authority through God. He is the king. We carry his Holy Spirit. Um, God's kingdom unites us. God understands that as people, people need people. The worst thing you could do is probably isolate yourself. Um, I've got a little testimony, and uh, it's very, uh, it's about a guy. I don't really speak to him much anymore. Um, but I was, I was at uni. I was part of this group at uni. And we used to do, like, we were a Christian group. We used to do a little, little bit of evangelism. And we did this evangelism event. And this guy came to the event. He gave his number. And uh, I grabbed his number, called him a bit later, and I said, hey, um, yeah, we got your number from the, uh, the outreach event. Just wondering if you wanted to meet up. Um, so I met up with him. I told him the gospel. Uh, he didn't give his life to the Lord right there on the spot. But I said, hey, why don't you come along to one of our weekly meetings? Um, so he said, yep, I'll come. Um, and it just happened so that I was speaking at that weekly meeting, just a little five-minute um, speech on, on hope. Right? And um, I can tell you right now, I made an absolute, like, it was just like one of the worst speeches ever. Um, no, it wasn't one of the worst. But I just stumbled through it, and you know what? I didn't know what was going on. But I spoke to him afterwards, and I said, how are you going? And he said, you, man, you are one of the most engaging speakers that I've, I've ever seen. Like, there's something about the way you speak that's just so good. And I'm thinking that, mm. I think that the kingdom of God was in our midst that day. He was, wasn't hearing me. He was hearing Jesus. Just like the, on the journey to Emmaus, walking with Jesus, they didn't recognize him, but when, they, when he spoke to them, their hearts were on fire. Later on, uh, later on that year, I think, uh, he gave his life to the Lord, and I think he's a, he's a chaplain now, which is really cool. But, you know, the kingdom of God, it's God's rule, it's, it's his power, his will, and his influence over people. I mentioned the uh, Lion King and how everything the light touches is our kingdom. You know, when Jesus came into the world, he said to you, he said, you are the light of the world. And when Simba asked, what about that dark place over there? His dad said, you can't ever go there. But we're actually called to go into the dark places. We're actually called to shine Jesus' light. That is a, a very, a very uh, special decree. It's something that we, we shouldn't take lightly. It's something that uh, we should feel honored to be able to do, to shine Jesus. And I'm not talking about going into a, um, like a drug den or whatever. I'm talking about um, the people at work who don't know Jesus. The people at work who, who you might have th thought, hey, 
I know he doesn't know Jesus. I know he doesn't know anything about the Bible, but I feel a sense that, that God's kingdom is in our midst, that he has that, that, he has that influence, and that I am, I am a subject of the Most High King, and I can take my light, and I can, I can shine it, and I can make a difference. So this morning, um, if I could get like a piano, the piano man is... You just preach, bro. I feel bad now getting you to come up here. That's cool. Um, I just want to say that when Jesus died and I think Aaron mentioned this, the the curtain was torn from top to bottom. And that meant one thing. That we all have access. We all have access to the presence of God. We all have access to the kingdom of God. But it does mean another thing, that he's given us access to Jesus' death his burial, his resurrection. And the access is on offer to anyone here today. And if you're thinking, I, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm worthy, I don't think I'm good enough. I've got news for you, you're actually not worthy. You're actually not good enough. Because only Jesus is good. Only Jesus is the perfect recipe for salvation. And what he did on the cross what we're coming up to, to to reflect on during Easter. It's something special. It's something that is on, is on offer for you. It's something that you need to deeply consider. I just want to get everyone to get, just close their eyes, bow their heads. You might be... um like me, sitting at the front of a church and 15 years ago, I can't even remember what, you know, what was even said, it's been 15 years, but I can remember the feeling of my heart burning. As, as Pastor Melvin was preaching, I can remember that feeling of not just burning, but almost jumping out of my chest, knowing, knowing that this was the moment. Somehow, deep inside me, didn't know anything about God, didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't know anything about the Bible. But there was something that was influencing me in that moment that made my heart burn. I just want to say if that's something that you want for yourself, touch this morning, just raise your hand in the air. I'm not going to get you to come out or whatever. I just want to, I just want to talk to you. I just want to pray, pray with you. Because Jesus died and he invited us into his kingdom, into, into do his will, into, into freedom.
thank you, Jesus, that uh, you brought about a kingdom without boundaries, Lord God. You brought about a kingdom that would expand. It wasn't just for one one type of people. It was it was for all of us, Lord God, no matter who we are, no matter what we've been through, Lord God, no matter um, the mistakes we've made, Lord God, that you died to wash our slate clean, Lord God. You paid the wages of sin for us, Lord God, and uh, we are forever grateful, Lord God, that we can be part of your kingdom, that we can live under your rule, under your blood, under your protection, Lord God. So we just pray this all in Jesus' name, and we thank you. Amen. Fantastic. I asked the guys to, um, you know, to speak about the ministry of Jesus. And um, as last week we spoke about the history uh, or the prophetic words about Jesus. And today we're going to, well, they've spoken about the ministry of Jesus. Um, maybe one thought is that I'll leave with you is Jesus showed us God. Before Jesus, people had different ideas about God. What do you think God is like? An angry man, big long white beard sitting up on a cloud somewhere or on a throne, ready to smite you? What do you think God is like? We had no idea. We had our own interpretation, people worship idols. Until one day, this man made ridiculous assertions. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know me, you know the Father. If you want to get to the Father, go through me. Big claims. He backed it up. He died and he rose from the dead. So I'm going with the guy who died and rose again because he proved who he said he was. A lot of people say a lot of things continually throughout history. I'm going with the guy who backed it up. Jesus showed us God next few weeks, we're going to keep discovering the person of Jesus Christ. Next week, we have Adi Shepherd, but the week after that, I'm going to talk about the twilight zone. I'm going to talk about the zone where heaven meets earth. That's the zone that we live in. That's when Jesus prayed. You see, the disciples, they never asked Jesus to teach him how to heal people or how to walk on water, that would be pretty cool. I'd want to learn that. But when they saw him pray, they said, teach us that. Because he lived in that zone and he walked between heaven and earth. That was his prayer. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm going to be speaking about that, walking in that twilight zone. I want to thank you guys who prepared, came and gave it all they had. We've received the word of God and we are blessed by it. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for the word. Thank you that the word brings change and transformation. 
thank you for this season, which is, which we celebrate Easter. I pray that each one of us will rediscover the person of Jesus Christ in the next six weeks. New transformation all over again. Let it be done. Thank you, God, that what was fresh last week is stale this week, and you've got new things for us. So let's step into that. We honor you. We ask you for your blessing. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Great to have you in church today in this journey to Easter. If you're new here, we do have a gift pack for you. Uh, please don't leave this place without having one of our ushers give that to you and a free coffee as well. Love to uh, meet you and hang out. Be blessed and we'll see you back next week.